This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. If an entrepreneur or an established brand wants to open a temporary pop-up store on a busy retail street, there's a lot of planning, work, and cost involved in making that actually happen. So what if there was a retail space in a high-profile location that could be rented for as short a time window as an hour that uses LCD video walls and software to establish the look and feel of the shop? That's the operating premise behind Sook, an interesting UK startup that has digital first spaces for rent in attractive locations around the UK, including London's retail-lined Oxford Street. I visited that location when I was in London recently and had a good chat with Sook founder and CEO John Hoyle. So it's really easy to quickly create um, a, a clean and bespoke environment. Right. And so that means you can literally do whatever you want in these places. And it's a space that is as much about non-retail uses as it is about retail. Okay. It could be somewhere to have a screening of a movie. It could be somewhere to do yoga, pilates, meditation. Um, or it's a, it's a shop in the more traditional form. And the whole um, rationale behind this is that if you facilitate hourly access um, to units like this, which would otherwise be empty, you can actually drive three to five times more revenue uh, than for a traditional lease because you're making use of the time before you know standard rent is over a 10 year period deeply inefficient because someone sits in a space and expects there to be effectively make all of their money on a, in the peak hours whenever those are which is like a Saturday mm-hmm. um, using this you can drive your own footfall drive different peaks across um, 120 hours of the week and generate more revenue, as well as making it much more efficient for occupiers to, to come and engage with the space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely modular, so um, you can take this entire fit out away and move it elsewhere. Um, it has, it's all freestanding, which is what we do. So there's a, um, a selection of furniture. Okay, you can yeah. see the hanging rails, shelving right. units here. Makes it super easy for someone to come and self-serve if they want to. So using QR codes, you can learn exactly what you need to do. Full Wi-Fi, utilities, etc. audio. Um, anyone can come, quickly turn this into a space to use for whatever they want. Um, these modules obviously can be disassembled and moved to another space. So we don't take leases. We are just a device that operates as an asset management tool within specific um, spaces. If a landlord wants to move us, they can. There's a small cost associated with that, but it's much more economically and environmentally sustainable to have this fit out that can be reused in multiple other locations. Mm -hmm. Um, And it works best. So, I mean, this one is slightly compromised because we're over two stories and the rear loading is in the basement. It actually works better on one level 
with a big back of house. It's a bit like a theatre set. All of the physical preparation happens uh, out back so that you can efficiently right. roll into the space for your activation. Everything that's here, we can take away. Right. Um, there's storage out back, but mm. you know, this has been everything from a, a rave for Jägermeister, who launched um, a party to the launch of uh, a high streets report um, by a big industry insider to um, a salsa dancing class. So it's all about using the same space for multiple different activations mm. and doing it in a way that allows digital content to drive um, you know, how you make that place appropriate. And that's why it's interesting to me is, is that, that they started to add digital screens to retail uh, kind of after the fact. And now we're in the situation where you have people who like this that are you know, setting up pop-up retail with digital as kind of the enabling part of it. So you can change the feel of a store, change the message and everything else with a few keystrokes. Well, absolutely. If you think about where the brands of the future come from, they are going to predominantly start online because the barriers to entry yeah. are much, much lower. But they need that IRL engagement to have an authentic touch point with their customers. But they don't want to scale like the private equity-backed retailers in the past have by taking 120 leases and then marketing it. They want to dip in and dip out and have a, you know, an online type solution that's agile mm -hmm. um, to determine where works best for their product and to make use of the fact that they can drive their own footfall through social media. So right. we, you know, if you think about, I suppose a good example in the UK might be, a, let's say a super dry, a challenger brand that's had to play the game of real estate to, to get where it is to become an established brand. We believe that we can fa facilitate that happening for the brands of the future without them having to need a real estate department to negotiate leases, to deal with a portfolio of assets. In fact, there will be this agile solution that they can use as they see fit. Um, and, and what's interesting about that is that suddenly you are changing the role of a shop as a static distribution channel for stuff. Mm -hmm. And you're making it much more of a point of engagement uh, for uh, customers to, to actually meet IRL, the people that sit behind their brand and the product. Right. Um, and that that can happen everywhere. There's no need now for the perhaps the, the, the flagship in central London or the concept store in Covent Garden when, because the barriers to entry are lowered by this solution, you could take your, um, take your product to secondary locations around the UK, mm -hmm. um, do it for a weekend, drive an enormous reaction because the people in, let's say, the northeast of England are not used to seeing something like that, and then get out without any of the legacy right. liabilities or commitments that you would normally get through a lease. And it's a service in just about every respect, right? Like if I'm a fashion designer, which is a very novel concept, I wouldn't have to, if I wanted to open up a pop-up store for the weekend, I wouldn't have to worry about the AV. I wouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff. I just do a deal to have this space for six hours or whatever it is and you guys kind of take it from there, right? Well, you can you can dice it in whatever way you want. So mm -hmm. you could be completely absent and we would run the entire piece for you. Mm -hmm. um, okay. In, including fulfillment, staffing, um, even the design of your space. And you can obviously have complete control because using Canva, 
which is a uh, Australian Photoshop unicorn. Yep. You can you can drag and drop whatever you want onto the walls, and you can walk around it in 3D before you come here. So you could be in the States and you could control a space in Oxford Street without having to be here. Okay. So that opens up enormous opportunities where at a fraction of the cost, we can serve you. Um, but it's more about sort of just that flexibility for occupiers. It's also making physical spaces available for all sorts of uses that are not necessarily traditional retailers. Social mm-hmm. media is becoming increasingly important as part of um, the customer shopping experience. So working with those sorts of brands to engage RL, onboard customers online and complement what they're trying to do online is, is really powerful. But equally, if you think about amenity, I mean, in the UK, um, retail banking branches are closing down in record numbers because they just don't make any sense with the rise of online banking. But there is a real community value to those places for some people. Um, and, you know, could we run a, a, a banking offer in the lunchtime slot which is when people want to go to the banks and not be there the rest of the time. Can you bring digital art into play, gaming, um, estate agency, car showrooms, Mm -hmm. a whole spectrum of um, retail uses that basically haven't existed in the physical high street for, um, for all sorts of reasons previously to be used in a much more agile way in our spaces. Mm -hmm. Is there a typical time window, like amount of time, when you are seeing bookings? It completely varies. We've had a guy take the space for an hour, turn it into a shrine to his girlfriend and propose to her. (laughs) Um, Equally, we were a corona testing center in one of our spaces for, I think, 14, 15 months, which is a sign of the times. Um, We have three-month bookings. We have three-day bookings. And that's sort of the point. Mm -hmm. It's different people... um, want to do different things at different times and that 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 really you know is at the core of what we do no one needs a shop seven days a week hardly practically no one needs a shop for a decade think about the time that you need to do activations let us manage the headache of all of that mm-hmm. uh, learn from it from analytics and then get out and do something different the, the old uh mantra in, in real estate about location, location, location. I, I suspect that still applies though, right? It does. But um, but it's a, it is a, that is a mindset rather than a reality. I actually, my belief is that footfall is a flawed m- metric and that's what, you know, really underpins uh, that location piece. Um, where the way we've done retail traditionally is that you found a location that suits mm-hmm. adjacencies are important but you're really basing it off adjacencies the demographic in the area and then footfall and that's a deeply inefficient model when you think about it to make a 10-year bet on a place based on a, uh, a data set that you see at that period in time sit mm-hmm. there for a decade only make money on maybe a saturday or a sunday the rest of the time you have a loss leading asset you can't be agile and change if something about that location changes mm-hmm. um, and you're not learning anything about customers elsewhere so what we're saying is why not be far more granular why not figure out which hours of the week your product works in so Greg's which is an incredibly successful um, uh, restaurant brand essentially mm-hmm. it's, it, 
It's famous for its sausage rolls. Yes. I had one yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and they sold more Greg's um, sausage rolls last year than there were Big Macs in the UK to put, put a sort of a, some scale on it. So their um, biggest selling um, unit is at Birmingham New Street Station and its peak time is from 10.30 on a Friday evening. It's people who've been drinking in pubs, buying sausage rolls. The mm-hmm. other, uh, you know, on their way home. The other time they do a lot of business is for essentially the building trades very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So they have a completely different peak profile to an apparel brand, for instance. What we're saying is, why don't you you blend all of those um, different uses into more concentrated, more efficient spaces? Can, is it nimble enough that you could do multiple occupants in a day? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Have you done that? Yes. Um, it's, you know, when you think about it, most shops don't open till 10 and most close at about six. Well, then you've got four, maybe five hours in the morning, which, you know, lend themselves to wellness, for instance. Um, and then in the evening, um, you know, when shops sit dormant, this could be a event space. And mm-hmm. that's pretty lucrative but in its own right. I mean, I think we could hang our entire business model on the, what shops would see as after hours in certain locations to use this amazing digital tool to you know, be a private room for a restaurant or could it be a, a delivery restaurant, for instance, or could it just be a party, but um, rather than renting a bar and having a minimum bar spend of a few thousand pounds, you mm-hmm. can have something bespoke where you know that there is an amazing digital content of the person whose birthday it is, for instance. Mm-hmm. Children's parties, meetups, there are, you know, limitless ways of um, effectively monetizing space when in normal retail times it's just it's just closed. Yeah, I've certainly heard of uh, restaurants that are daytime cafes that have realized, okay, we have a kitchen and everything else, but we shut down at 3 p.m. Why don't we have a breakfast place in the evening? It's, uh, you know, it's a Mexican place or whatever, and they're using the same kitchen, but you're sweating the asset more. Absolutely. I mean, the same principle applies here. Just we've gone to extra lengths to make it more versatile. The food and beverage pieces is probably our most challenging use case because of the infrastructure that's required. Yeah, there's a lot more. You You can't just have bare walls and screens. So that's kind of our limit, although you can, you know, you can cater in these places. You just can't really prepare um, food through cooking. Um, But yeah, I mean... It, given that there are, you know, fast approaching 100,000 empty shops in the UK alone, and that problem persists throughout developed markets, um, why aren't we making use of these assets better um, and doing it in a way that can be financially sustainable? If you do it, what what what's really interesting is that, that there is a market for people who want to use these spaces at the right price point. Mm-hmm. And in the UK, if you have an empty shop, it it becomes a business rates liability, which is kind of like property tax in the US. So this, an empty unit isn't just an empty unit. It's actually a liability for landlords. So Mm. what we're saying is let's bring them back into the community. Let's make them accessible. Let's engage with customers in a completely different way to the, um, you know, risk-free basis that has been the use of real estate asset manager for so long and engage with a whole new spectrum of occupiers that um, just didn't exist 10 years ago. So if you have 100,000 empty shops, is is there a risk to you that with that many 
uh, available spaces that uh, rental property becomes commoditized, price comes down, and it, it becomes a challenge for you to be competitive with that? Um, well, not really, because our model is an arbitrage on whatever the rental levels are. I mean, okay. Right now, empty shops are a huge opportunity for us. Um, and and when you think about it from our customers' point of view, actually, um, rent shop occupation costs mm-hmm. are only about 30% of the total costs of having a shop. When you think about the cost of staffing an empty shop, you know, to my point where if your shop is only really profitable on a Saturday, it is really painful having to staff it for the other yeah. six days of the week. And the landlord will demand that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, if you're in a shopping center, you have to be open. That is part of the deal. Um, and you think about the inefficiencies around stock people buy. I mean, there are billions of pounds of stock sitting on shelves around the UK. It's mm-hmm. absurd. Why not blend um, an online demand model with right. an IRL activation? You create with, a public showroom and exactly. you get fulfillment on the back end. So we, we believe that we are um, creating the opportunity for massive efficiency um, across the board. It is hard getting brands to think differently. There are there's a huge amount of inertia around some of the big established brands who just have always done things a certain way. It's the mm-hmm. I want that unit, I want it for ten years with a five year break. If we get X amount of footfall and we price our stuff at Y, that will convert into profit. Mm-hmm. There are lots of guys that cannot think beyond that, and you know that's that's one of the challenges of being change makers like we are is getting you know the 10% of early adopters to think differently about right. how to do stuff. So where did this come from, this idea? Um, I launched it out of an accelerator called Zinc, which is all about um, delivering um, social ventures for profit. Um, I'm a, uh, my background is real estate. I'm a landlord, formerly at Grosvenor in central London. So I was deeply frustrated having been on the other side of the fence about the inefficiencies and the huge numbers of... Um, Occupiers who are excluded from shops. Um, you know, the reason there's 100,000 empty shops is partly price points, but it's partly accessibility, the, the, all the ancillary costs around lawyers, uh, agents. Uh, and, and these guys are all set up to do deals that have to be, you know, at least a year, but generally five and ideally 10. That struck me as such an enormous opportunity for disruption mm-hmm. that we've seen in the office space. We've seen it in the residential space, you know, huge um, global unicorn businesses have disrupted those sectors, but no one has done that in, in retail yet. And mm-hmm. it's, it's slightly more complex. There are the customers of your customers to think about, there's stock, there's brand, and that's why a fit out is necessary to facilitate all of that. So if I'm a, uh, an apparel designer, just come out of some fashion school and uh, I wanted to open my own shop. The commitment to do so would be many hundreds of thousands of pounds, right? To do that. Yeah. And through this model, I can open up on Oxford street where we are for a day and have a pop-up and it's going to cost, well, what would, what would that cost for a day? It depends. So it's demand based pricing. So it's cheaper on a Monday than it is Another on a surge Saturday. pricing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly that. Um, if you can drive your own footfall, then you might as well take low value retail hours. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, you can on a good day 
get this space for probably just under a thousand pounds on Oxford Street, which, yeah. you know, no commitment, no utilities, mm-hmm. no legacy issues, in you come, do your thing. And when it, when you work, it works, you've got clear evidence of that, that is really useful on, as part of your entrepreneurial journey in terms of building mm-hmm. momentum. It's great for content, etc. And the halo effect that we all recognize of IRL engagement is massive for your future online sales. Mm-hmm. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. Are you funding this yourself, or have you got financial backers? We we have done three, um, sorry, four funding rounds. Um, we are fundraising at the moment um, as well. This is our, our seed round where um, it's running for the next three months. We're likely to have strategic partnerships with big asset managers who are invested and, and some retail groups. To date, it's been, it's been largely angels mm-hmm. in the UK. There's a really vibrant ecosystem of angel investment in the UK because the government gives some great tax breaks called EIS. I'm curious if uh, when you approach people, if they give you one of the tilted head looks or they they get it quickly. Um, I think um, as with anything that's new, there is a bit of adoption. Um, So we find that for for a first booking, we insist that there is someone in our sales or customer service team present to help people because there's an element of anxiety. It's a bit like if you organize a party for your other half or family member and you're a bit nervous about the caterers and are people going to turn up, etc. Mm-hmm. And then the party starts and you relax. Well, we see that a lot from our first timers. But we're at 40% repeat customers. And so for subsequent uses, when you know where it all lies, you know what to expect, it's much less stressful um, for people. It's just like your first day at the office when you don't know whether... It's photocopier works or what your password is or, you know, right. all, all of that becomes far less scary. So I think the answer to your question is it, it, the onboarding is more, uh, involves more friction than we hope will ultimately be the case. Mm. Um, and, and we are very much pushing the envelope of change. So there is a bit of a cocktail and then you, you see the, the penny drop. And the opportunity, you see people's heads essentially exploding with opportunity to things that they could do because everyone's got an idea of what they might use a space like this for. Mm-hmm. How fundamental, I'm, I'm a digital science guy, so that's that's what makes me awfully curious about it. How fundamental were, were the digital screens to making this work? Uh, absolutely fundamental. So. Uh, there is a, a business that I'm, is failing at the moment um, who uh, I was a customer of. They are effectively a booking system for empty shops. Um, and they're pioneers in many ways because they push the idea of flexible occupation. But they really are no different from a normal real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And the problem 
um, with just being a booking system is that you don't provide any of the services that are absolutely essential to launching a shop. They're just they're renting an empty cavity. You got to figure out the rest. Yeah, if you do that, you know, and they will only rent for a minimum of a week. You turn up, you spend the first day setting up. The next couple of days, no one comes in because it's Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm. Maybe you have a launch event on Thursday. Uh, a few people it picks up a bit Friday, Saturday, and then it's over. You've spent probably fifteen thousand pounds. You've had to buy all of this deeply unsustainable, both financially and environmentally, stuff in order to facilitate the fit out. Um, and you've got nothing really to retain from a legacy perspective. With ours, the digital screens are utterly fundamental because they that's your fit out. That's what gives you the environment. And you can take that content, you can reuse it on your socials, you can reuse it in other souk space. Um, uh, you can send your stock around, but we will provide essentially the entire platform um, to to allow you know your soup to take place without. Mm-hmm. without you wherever else you want could you do these uh locations without the screens um well it it, it would remove a, a usp of ours um mm-hmm. and of course there is uh sometimes demand but what we're trying to do is create uh 100 occupancy um and a big part of that is outspoken media so when we're not actively booked, we can be a billboard for your screen, which is super light touch. It can operate when shops are closed throughout the night and generate revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, it, it's a really powerful utilitarian way of squeezing revenue out of latent assets. And obviously an empty shop is just an empty shop. which mm-hmm. can't do any of that. Do you have a, a handle on what you're using for uh, the displays? The, the screens are obvious, but I'm... Did you, are you using a particular piece of software? Um, I, I have, I'm not, we've just changed to That's a new software. That's for your AV software. guys. You have to ask the AV guys. Um, I mean, we've been through several iterations and in classic startup style, we, we've tried lots of tools. Mm-hmm. We keep the ones that work. We discard the ones that don't. And we're constantly iterating. And I would describe that device upstairs like a massive iPhone. You know, obviously it's way less sophisticated than iPhone today. Sure. But... The principle is the same. Physically, it um, it update it iterates just like you know your Apple uh, device mm-hmm. or other um, iterates, and then the software behind it upgrades, but without you needing to change the device. Right. So that that is the process that we're constantly evolving on. When did the first soup open? Well, I opened one in um, in 2019 mm-hmm. at the sort of first MVP in Cambridge. Um, and then that we won a few prizes straight off the bat because it had such success in Cambridge. Legal and General gave us our second site. Why Cambridge? Uh, that's where I live. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to prove that there was demand, which we did. Um, and enough so that Legal and General, who are a big insurance company and pension fund, gave us our first proper site in a shopping centre in Cambridge, which we opened in January 2020. But of course... We all know what happened uh, in a March later. 2020. So um, we were pretty quiet op- operationally throughout all of 2020 mm-hmm. and uh, quite a lot of 2021 for obvious reasons. But we emerged from the pandemic with this site on Oxford Street, mm-hmm. uh, one on South Moulton Street, one in Edinburgh. So it was clear that we had identified a need from landlords um, and we've expanded. And is it important to be on high streets like this, like really well-known ones? 
Well, yes and no. So at this stage in our business, the startup, you know, people don't know what it is to your point. People want to understand it and they want to be in, in great places. So, and we have to prove to investors success and that mm-hmm. we can generate revenue. So it is really helpful being on an Oxford street as opposed to somewhere unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. But our goal is for it to function everywhere and for there to be a platform where Nike can reach a customer in a place that is utterly undesirable from profile perspective, but where there are still obviously many customers. And we believe actually the impact in those places could be bigger. Mm-hmm. And um, you asked me earlier about whether the erosion of the retail market could affect us. Well, one of the things that brands will pay us for is the opportunity cost of being able to do this, which is often in less desirable retail locations, a, a much um, higher ROI for us than on Oxford Street. Mm-hmm. Give you a good example. Um, MasterCard uh, used our space in the Metro Centre, which is in uh, the northeast of England. It's probably the, one of the least affluent areas um, in the UK. We, we're in the big shop, biggest shop, sort of regional shopping centre there. And it costs us, they pay, they're paying us London prices in Newcastle for, you know, mm-hmm. for the opportunity to have those spaces. So, um, yeah, my dream is that there can be a souk space on every high street and it can address all of the community goals in, in the same way that maybe a town hall does, mm-hmm. as well as being a state-of-the-art retail space for brands to dip in and out mm-hmm. to engage with those customers and create a hello effect. Whatever. Because yeah, a fashion designer can be in Newcastle and you know, doesn't have to come here to launch. No, well, I mean, it's bigger than that. Why can't they be in New York, yeah. Dubai, um, Beijing? All, you know, large stock light, you can use physical stock, but so much of it can be digital. Mm-hmm. Um, purchases get made online, which um, through using QR codes, it's not necessarily about leaving with physical stuff. But if you're in, if you, you know, a global brand on a mission to scale, what a brilliant way of dipping your toe in the water. And because there are so many empty sites, landlords love something that is going to delight that's going to be good for placemaking and community. And that, mm-hmm. that in some instances is more important than actually a business case for the space. Right. It's a tool um, for asset managers to, to drive footfall into assets. Right. You see lots, lots of uh, distressed real estate where somebody's put in a gift shop or you know, a calendar shop or whatever, and you know, they don't have a lot of money, and it just looks kind of sad, and it doesn't lift the street. It kind of takes it down, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. We want to be... The opposite of that and you know i really believe that constant rotation of active activity mm-hmm. um is the way to bring life back because you could have the coolest brand in the world in your unit but if it's um let's say i always use the fashion apparel one but um maybe maybe there's a better example of that but if you know it's it's peak hours are on a, only on a Saturday, mm-hmm. the rest of the week is to all intents and purposes an empty shop. So it isn't adding anything to that high street. Yeah. Um, but, but running up costs. Yeah. So, so how many sooks do you have now? We've got 11. Um, we, uh, we, we, we want to double it next year. Part of that is reliant on, um, on fundraising. We're also allowing um, some other systems to list on our site. Um, and we have our first uh, overseas site agreed in South Africa. Oh. O- opportunities. Cape Town? Uh, in Joburg, oh, okay. all of Africa. We've got opportunities in the UAE. 
um, in the US and Canada uh, and in Europe. So um, as you would not be surprised to hear, I'm just balancing the amazing demand we have for our product with a fundraising environment that's a bit tepid Mm -hmm. um, thanks to all sorts of reasons, um, not least in the UK because of very recent uh, economic turmoil, which is completely self-inflicted. So uh, where is the business out overall? Are are you kind of happy with state of the economy, given what you just said about the economy and COVID? And well, we we doubled our sales last year, year on year. So you know, I'm really happy with, with that. But that would be an, an anomaly year. So uh, no, I, I think we will, will, will we project potentially quadrupling them this year. Okay, um, and even if we don't add any more sites, we should double it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the demand from global brands is through the roof. TikTok, um, Quokka, um, Sonos, uh, Universal Music Group, Uber, mm-hmm. MasterCard. So they're finding you, even though you're, you're, you know, you're a startup in most respects, they, they're they finding are, you. They are finding us. So that, that's incredibly encouraging. Um, my, my challenge is not having today, although I, I expect to rectify that in February, uh, the capital really to to run at so many of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, you know, th- this is a brilliant time um, for a disruptor to emerge. The sector is on its knees. Um, asset managers are desperate for a solution. We have a solution. It's proven. It it can get better. Um, it can get more exciting. I mean, the fit out you saw upstairs mm-hmm. can evolve um, dramatically. And in fact, there's a very exciting space that I'll point you towards up Oxford Street, which we hope to take over quite soon that you should go and have a look at, which is really the next generation of what suit could be mm-hmm. even more immersive. It's, it's amazing. Um, I'll send you up there. Could, could you have uh, a larger, almost like department store level place with multiple? Like there's lots of department stores that have shops within shops now. Yes. So we've talked to department stores about providing that service. I mean, there's, you know, I am... My personal view is that the department store model is inherently inefficient because, you know, you go to some amazing stores that I love in New York, like Showfields, which is kind of the new age department store. And just like every other shop, it it has a peak and then a massive trough when no one's in there. And that just, to me, as a utilitarian who, you know, is very focused on the revenues that a real estate asset can yield just seems a bit mad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, so the answer is yes, we could work in a department store, but um, we'd be in that instance, much more beneficial to the department store than to probably us in terms of driving feet at Mm -hmm. times where they don't necessarily have customers. Mm -hmm. If people want to find out more about the company, where do they find yeah. you? Soup.space, S-O-O-K. Um, everything is on our website. We're uh, at Soup Spaces on social media, um, across all channels. Follow me on LinkedIn. I'm John Hoyle. Um, and yeah, tell the world about Soup because it is coming uh, to a street near you. <laughs> all right. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. 
You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 16.9 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of this stuff out there. If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.